Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And this is week one of our This is the Church series. Y'all, we just wrapped two weeks in This is the Gospel. These are together on purpose, and we hope that you joined us for that two-week series. But now we're starting a beautiful five-week series that we... I'm so excited about this series, Amanda. We are without words. We're so excited. Yes. Well, and listen, I will tell you guys, we have a special guest with us today. It is Jessica Lamb, our editorial director. She was our guest for This is the Gospel Week 1, and we loved getting to have the conversation, not just about the content of the reading plan, but also the making of it. And we really enjoyed that so much, and y'all did too, that We wanted to do that again for week one of this plan to talk about the making of this plan, the intent, the heart behind it, and you're going to get all of that as we get going. So let's get right to it. Jessica Lamb, welcome back to the She Reads Truth podcast after a brief one-week break. One-week intermission. I know that it was the clamor of yeah. the she's after that one-week break. Bring her back. Bring her back. <laughs> well, here I am. Here I am. It, you um, know, it a little is bit, kind were, of true. There were two she's. That's right. <laughs> Rachel and Amanda, who just thought like, man, it was so good, Jessica, to have you here at the table with us <laughs> talking about the gospel and framing that reading plan for us as a community. And yeah, I mean, and then like in between, we just had our 10th birthday. Happy um, birthday. Happy birthday, everyone, all you she's listening. But to come now after that two week, this is the gospel study, that the gospel shapes who we are. Mm-hmm. It yes. informs who we are, which informs how we live. And so now we are, and it feels like part two of a two-part series in many ways. Yes. I mean, for our subscribers, they got these books in the same box, and yeah. that was by design. So this is the beginning of five weeks of looking at this is the church. Jessica, why did we need five weeks? Oh, boy. I mean, <laughs> that is a great question. Well, here's the reality. The question of what is the church yeah. is sort of what's being explored throughout the entire New Testament. Exactly. Right? That's yes. what mm-hmm. they're wrestling with. Mm-hmm. They're wrestling with Jesus comes. He's the fulfillment of so much prophecy, so many promises, and then that gospel story that we've spent two weeks looking at creates a gospel people, the people who participate in the gospel become a community. And so the New Testament is exploring, what does that look like? How do we be a people together when we're different, but we love the Lord, but we have things we don't agree with, but we want these same things, we want to be kingdom-minded? Who are we? We're not Israel. What's happening? Right. So it's a conversation that is much of what the New Testament is exploring. So we need five weeks at least to yeah. talk unpack. About it. it feels um, it's it feels, still ambitious. It feels still ambitious, ambitious even yes. at five weeks. But that's a fun thing. I mean, y'all listening know like the way we approach reading plans like this. We either you know read through books of the Bible and curate scripture to help scripture interpret scripture, or we look at a topic like this is the church and we have to start with scripture and we ask what does scripture actually say or not say about this topic. And so that's really what formed the plan and even what informed the five-week length. Right. Is looking at how much richness is in the New Testament. Yeah. um, And even drawing on the Old Testament to talk about what it means to be, spoiler alert for day one, the people of God. Exactly. And what it means to live that out. And we'll see in this plan that we get a lot of images and metaphors because it's this reality it's hard to grasp in human words. So we'll spend a few weeks where we look at, okay, here's a an earthly image 
that helps us understand what this is. Yes. Yeah. Um, we'll look at that. We'll look at the things that Scripture says mark us as a people. Yeah. We'll look at some of the ways that we struggle to live that out. A lot of goodness here. A lot of things. A lot of goodness. Well, that's the thing. Like you were saying, the New Testament, it is the like person and work of Jesus. Like we talked about over the last two weeks, this person and work of Jesus, the gospel. But then this is the working out, the early church kind of going like, well, what does it look like? And you had said, like, we're so diverse because up until that point, the people of God, quote unquote, were the the people of Israel, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, but now this is expanded into all Gentiles, all people. And how do we find unity in our immense diversity? And even last week, the community looked at this, and we looked at redemption and restoration. For those of you who had the book, or maybe you saw it on social, we had these four branches that were designed by a great artist who uh, used to work here, Emily Knapp. Yep. And she drew these branches to represent that story. We could visually see it. And years ago, when she first showed it to us, we all wept yeah. when she showed us the— um, <laughs> Literal tears. Literal tears. When she showed us the redemption branch, because yeah. it has this little bandage yeah. that shows this sort of grafting in, mm-hmm. that we were brought into this story. Mm-hmm. And so even that's the story of being brought into the people of God. Into a mm-hmm. place that we don't belong. We shouldn't have access, and yet Christ grants us access, which is why I love that the cover of this book, of the This is the Church book, has that little nod to it. It has yes. this like budding branch on the cover that is not by mistake. Yeah. That's sweet. The the creative team rarely does anything. It, Haphazardly. It, right. It's yeah. all intentional. It's all intentional. Well, I think we should dive in. I and, think we should just get going. And if you all have, <laughs> if you have your book, your study book, and this is a plan you're going to want a book for. I mean, this is five weeks, so even mm-hmm. if you or if you don't have your book yet, like this is a useful reading plan to have a yeah. book for because there's so many extra things mm-hmm. in it. So you yeah, know. and it's so foundational. It's I said this last week that with this is the gospel and this is the church that I'm personally grateful to have them on my shelf so that I can reference them yeah. just for years to come because it's so it's just such a good resource. But you, we're going to spend a little bit of time, if you do have your book and you're sitting with it in your hand, we're going to spend a little bit of time there. And this is pages 14 and 15. But we're going to start with the definition, the broadest definition of what is the church. We're going to just answer it. Let's answer, answer it. it. Just say what, it, What's Jessica? the whole study? No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jessica, what is the church? Well, the church is a few things, Amanda. No. Um, when we talk about what is the church, what we're talking about in this podcast series is the capital C church. That's right. So if you're familiar with this older term, it's all of Christendom. Yeah. Um, ah, Christendom. So we're not talking about your local body of believers you belong to. We're talking about all Christians That's right. everywhere for all time. So if I'm looking at our book right here and it says, what is the church? The first sentence says, the church is a community of people who are followers of Jesus Christ. Then we begin to go through the many facets of this mm-hmm. definition, like what this definition encompasses. Because like when we say this is the church as the title of this series, we're not talking about your local church, but the church is local and global and visible. So it is, you know, what it what you think of when you think of the church is part of the capital C church. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's actually really helpful to even pause as we talk about us having this conversation here, even on that first thing of visible, global, and local. Mm-hmm. We have an extra also in this book where we sort of explore, as of I think 2020, global Christianity from data and surveys, where are Christians in the world and where are percentages of Christians 
you sometimes will sort of hear people talk about, at least in America recently, like, oh, wow, Christianity is becoming global. And the reality is, it's always been global. That's right. And so even for the three of us as Southern women, roughly in the same age range, same age of life, from more or less the same background, we represent such a small, small, small piece. That's right. I mean, like a sliver. A little yeah. tiny sliver. And yeah. even the three of us are a pretty similar sliver, yeah. even though we have we come from different denominations mm-hmm. of that big picture church. Because if you think about it, the church didn't start as, you know, an American institution. Right. Um, it started yeah. in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, most of the early church fathers are from Northern Africa. Yeah. You know, if you take a early church tour, which is very fun. Would recommend. We did it in college. It was That's great. Right, you did. We did a footsteps of Paul, and we went to Turkey and Greece, right? Like, this is where it begins to spread, where the church starts and it spreads there, and then it spreads into what we now think of as Europe, and then it comes to America. But this is not an American faith or a South American faith or mm-hmm. any—no continent, right. no country gets to take claim as this is our religion. It's always been global, and it still yes. is global. So if you have a book or if you're interested in this, I mean, we have brothers and sisters in Christ— all over the world. Yeah, that's um, right. Who speak different languages than us, who look different than us, who cover the spectrum of so many different ways of living and that's being. Right. And so even for us to have this conversation, it's so good and important, but we also recognize we are English speakers yeah. that's right. um, in a similar demographic, in a similar life stage, yeah. writing in English yes. about our faith. And we're so excited to talk about it, but we even know there's limitations because we all speak just from our experience. That's right. Which I remember even thinking way back to like the vision meeting for this reading plan and you know, all of us at the table just expressing it matters to us that we communicate that in a couple of different ways, like with that map and, and the other things, but also... We also sort of determined or or committed to whatever we put in this book has to be true for all people everywhere. Like Mm -hmm. it can't just be, well, this is the church for us. Mm -hmm. You know, it had to be, Mm -hmm. it had to be true for all time, for all people everywhere. Yes. I think it's actually pretty difficult and takes some practice to think about the church in that way, which is one of the reasons that we were excited to create this resource, not just to communicate what we know about the the Capital C Church, but to learn what Scripture says about the Capital C Church and then to remind one another of that and to let that be a lens that we look at. Mm -hmm. A proper view, an accurate view of the church is part of the kingdom lens that we want to have as we live our lives from our tiny corner of the earth, Mm -hmm. right? And the map that Rachel is referring to, it's in the study book. And you'll see that if you take like even just the approximate number of believers on the various continents, our continent doesn't have the most. <laughs> like it's yeah. so it's just not It's good it, to see that. Yeah, to know that Christianity is not in its origin an American faith mm-hmm. is is something that I think bears repeating and it's very integral to that proper understanding of the church. And even as we've been discussing over the last, you know, weeks as a community that like to be English speakers and to have scripture, like what a miracle, what a privilege. right? What a privilege. Mm-hmm. And and to look at this, at the whole globe and think about our great commission yes. to take the gospel, the good news to the ends of the earth. Like we are the ends of the earth. The fact that it, the gospel is here in Nashville means that we have received it and also yeah. to take it further mm-hmm. and to be a part of the church and that calling. Yeah. I Talk to us more about this church's section, Jessica, because the next one is 
invisible mm-hmm. and historic. We just talked about how it's visible. How is it invisible? So when we talk about the church being invisible, what we mean is that there are believers who have died. Yeah. That it's not only what we can see and participate in now, it's also believers who have died and are in those are living today. It's, it's both. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. And then the third thing, I love this third section of the church is that it says we are holy and imperfect, that the church is made up completely of flawed people, mm-hmm. sinful people. I think that um, sometimes the expectation is that the church be made up of perfect people, when in fact it is 100% made up of sinners who are flawed and will yes. fail. who have been saved, yes. um, who have been set apart as holy for a purpose yes. by the Lord, who mm-hmm. are seen by God in Christ, right? We have this beautiful reality where we can have confidence in approaching the Lord because of that. We also, I think, this could be hours of podcast material. There are podcasts that do this. We could each sit here and share how the local church or other parts of the church have failed us or have fallen Mm -hmm. short or have not acknowledged or seen other image bearers as image bearers, right? right. I mean, that's the story of Christianity from the beginning is of very imperfect people yes. in process following Jesus. And even as a team, when we talked about this plan and we're thinking, this is the church, part of what we said is the New Testament is also a lot of letters being written to churches who are not living out. Who aren't doing it right. Yes, who are not, um, whether in regards to one another or to other communities, who are not actually staying faithful to what God's called them to do and what they're called to be. So even in this plan and this conversation, that's still true. It's been true for all of history that there are lists and lists of things people have done that are not holy in the name of God. right? And even here, the reason we can have this conversation with appropriate fear and trembling is because we can look at each other and say, hey, we know that we are secure in Christ, and we also know that we're imperfect, Mm -hmm. and that we are not... We are going to say something wrong on this podcast. Count on it. (laughs) We are going to misspeak or say something incorrectly or or not mention something that feels important to somebody listening. Yeah. And we can be at peace in that because we also know we are sisters reading alongside other sisters, seeking to live in response to what we know is true as we uncover it more and more in Scripture. We are are also people in progress. And that's not an excuse, but there is... um, I think it's helpful for us to acknowledge our people listening agree. who yeah. that is important for them too, like it's important for us. Mm-hmm. Right. That um, There that, are no expert seats here. Right. Right. Yeah. And that kind of misperception that you pointed out, Rachel, is, you know, really it shouldn't be one at all because as, you know, as we state in, in this reading plan, like the reality of the gospel is what dictates the existence of the mm-hmm. church and the uh, gospel people, right? And the reality of the gospel also dictates <laughs> that we are sinners who need saving. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if we are part of the capital C church, that presupposes that we have also acknowledged that we are sinners, that we are flawed, that we are fallen, and we have put our trust in the one who is perfect, Yes, because there is and was only one. And that, again, I think, and we could talk about, you know, talking for hours about, I think that, again, is something that is very, especially here in our Western culture, expecting the church to be perfect. I don't know that that is that we view it the same way. I would love to know, Mm -hmm. sisters and brothers and other cultures, how that translates. But that is, I think, in my mind, also very tied to like the Americanism of the church. Right. And I think we'll get to this, I think, in later weeks, so I won't get ahead of whatever (laughs) guests we have on uh, that upcoming episode. But 
part of being the capital C church, right? Being followers of Jesus mm-hmm. is holding the local church, holding communities of believers who claim to follow and know Jesus yeah. to that standard. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it's the, hey, we can recognize that they are imperfect, so we can know they will fail us, but that doesn't also mean that we don't brush things under the rug. Right, mm-hmm. right. We can also say, ooh, hey, let's come back to our good. our first love. Let's yes. come back to what that's we're called good. to be. So yeah. that's for, I think, upcoming weeks. We won't, we won't get too much yeah. into that. But yeah. Well, and I think important. just in terms of setting expectations for what we are and what we are not doing in this series, one of the things that we are not going to do is examine and evaluate the way that different Christian traditions practice their faith. Like mm-hmm. we are going to focus in on the definition, like what defines us? What is our identity mm-hmm. as the church? And so we're not going to look at specific denominations and specific church structures. We're going to focus on the nature, the purpose, the mission, the function of the capital C church, That's right. which should give us plenty <laughs> in common, right? Yes. And I think that is really important that even at this table, to acknowledge we come from different church backgrounds. That's right. We're members of different churches, even now, different church traditions, and our team as a whole at She Reads Truth is made up of that. And I think it's fun to get to do this plant the community because that's what our community is. And that's, that's right. That's part of what our goal is, is that we hold very fast to a few essential things. Yeah. That's right. But we very much want She Reads Truth to be a place where women from so many perspectives within Christianity, within mm-hmm. Orthodox faith, mm-hmm. are coming together to talk about the things that we have in common. And that's actually really rare. Yeah. I think that before I came to work here, I didn't have a lot of regular experience with people outside of my specific denomination and tradition. That's who my Christian friends were. We went to the same church. And I love those friends. I'm we are all every one of us here very committed to our local churches and our, yeah. our team is that Absolutely. way too. Yeah. But there's something so beautiful about working on a book like this for the larger church, right? That's beyond my specific denomination. Yeah. And wrestling through as a team. I really want to say this, oh, well, I love Jesus and I love Scripture, and I actually don't know if that's as plain as you think it is. And to wrestle through that and to look other women in the eyes and say, oh, I see every day the Holy Spirit in you. I see your love for Christ and how you pray for us and how you serve one another. I I see the fruit of who you are as a believer. And oh, we disagree about some things. And so it's fun to get to do this plan to focus on the commonality because that's the goal of She Reads Truth too, is to unite us and come together in the things that we hold in common. It's one of the things I love most about She Reads Truth, that we are biblically faithful, but broadly evangelical, which means like, y'all come. Y'all come because we're just reading Scripture together, and there's something so freeing about not bearing the the weight or the duty of interpreting the Scripture so much as just being students of Mm -hmm. Scripture as a community. Yeah. If you've ever sent us an email and asked (laughs) us to weigh in on like a— hearty theological disagreement, you have probably heard, and maybe even frustrated by, feel however you need to feel, Mm -hmm. uh, but you probably heard us say, hey, that's actually a question we want you to work through, but not with us via email, with your local church, the local small C church, with a tradition, with a pastor, with a community. That's right. To explore that tradition. Those things are important. We want everyone here (laughs) to to spend that time, like explore your local church. Mm -hmm. Um, But hopefully this helps you love the big C church in a way that encourages you to invest even more in your local 
Um, That's right. Church too. That's right. Yeah. I mentioned a minute ago the vision meeting for this reading plan. And I remember also in that meeting asking, like, what's our goal? What is our goal for the she or the he who reads from start to finish, who finishes this reading plan? What do we hope will be different for them? And I think it's a good question to ask. But I remember somebody on your team said, we want them to know their identity within the people of God because their identity informs their practice, yes. which is a big thing to unpack mm-hmm. in that conversation. But it was exactly what we wanted to, was just like, yeah, if we can locate our identity as the people of God, then that's going to change, yes. hopefully, a lot. That's going to inform very much of yes. the way that we live and how we are. It's not like our goal is that having listened to these podcast episodes and done this reading plan, that they would have the exact same practices Mm -hmm. as we have. That they will then become a member of XYZ Church. Or that they would have this (laughs) perfect attendance and get the little merit badge. Like We said, we want this to be true for all people everywhere, right? right. And so like that has to be every country, every continent. And and so we want the identity of the Capital C Church to inform our actions. I mean, it's this quote that's in the book. It's from D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and it says, we must cease to think of the church as a gathering of institutions and organizations, and we must get back this notion that we are the people of God. You know, we have, because yes, too often, too often, we, we as the church. As the people of God. Yes, we as the capital C church find the core of our identity as the people of God in our denominational preferences or our specific background and traditions. And those things are important, but they do not supersede our identity as the people of God. And that is our day one reading. Yeah, Our day one is the church is the people of God. You're a pro, Amanda Williams. (laughs) And I think just even jumping to the last verse of day one, day one and day two really go together really well. Yeah. We are the people of God established by Jesus. So it's sort yes. of helpful to talk about those two I agree. in tandem. A lot of the ideas in this plant sort of weave in and out. I'm mm-hmm. If you listen to the last one, this is the gospel. I did some weird flapping. Now I'm doing some weird weaving. I like it. The visualizations are I'm sorry are we don't have, you a don't video. have them. But. Yeah. yeah. It also feels a little bit like an Old Testament, New Testament marriage. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like the people of God established by Jesus. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. You said the last verse of, of day one. Yes. Read it to us. So the last verse of day one is 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. It's two verses. Mm-hmm. Allowed. Allowed. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mm, thanks be to God. I mean, what a calling. Yeah. What a privilege. And also, for those of you who have read Hosea, with us, you hear that echo. You hear, which is actually yeah. in the day's reading, that renaming of not my people to my people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. And it's that we talked about earlier. It's that grafting in that God, in seeking a people for himself, mm-hmm. right? This is sort of the big story of scripture mm-hmm. that God wants to know us and that he yeah. called a people, Israel, mm-hmm. out of slavery, out of captivity, and he established them as a, as a people, as a nation of priests, with the goal that they would be a light to yeah. the entire world. I mean, even within that, there were Gentile people who were grafted in. That's right. But then we see in Jesus, it just explode out. Yes. yes. And we see that in the whole New Testament. That this story goes from this group of sort of, you know, misfit, you know, Jewish <laughs> men and, and Jewish women who started just sharing the gospel and 
becoming this faith that was spreading all throughout the Roman Empire, spreading all throughout the world. We're sitting yeah. here today. It's that bandage on the branch. It's the bandage it's, on the branch. It's the, it's the bandage on the branch. Yeah, it's yeah. the bonding of, of us to him and us to each other. Yes. yes. And so you'll see if you read this full day, there's so much to talk about in this plan that I know. it's almost, where do we stop, where yeah. do we rest in? But you'll see in this day that we read a lot a lot of Hebrews, and we look at these sort of stories of what it means to know God by faith, Yeah, and those stories are our heritage, right? That's right. Those yes. are part of that. We are part of this people. We are part of you know, the promise that was made to Abraham in the Old Testament, Yeah, and um, we're brought into that. We don't just show up in the New Testament. It's like, oh, this is actually a story that we can look back and say, oh, those are my spiritual forefathers That's and, right. Right. and foremothers. Is that sure, a phrase? Sure, I accept. Patriarchs and matriarchs is yeah, a better, like better phrase. Yeah. yeah, no. But we can look back and say, oh, by faith, they had this relationship with God. By yes. faith, yeah. I had this relationship and with God. And they are spiritual parents, not yes. because any of the three of us at this table have a Jewish heritage. We actually, we're the three of us Gentiles, mm-hmm. but we get to have them as well because of the grafting and the adoption. Yeah, I find the for every reading day in this reading plan, there is a statement in the study book that sort of summarizes the thrust of the, the day. And so I find them really helpful. The one for day one says... God's people are all those who know him by faith. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a full, full, full there's stop. kind of a full stop right yeah. there, right? Mm-hmm. And then further explained, everyone reconciled to God in Christ shares in this legacy of faith as Abraham's spiritual descendants, regardless of ethnicity or nationality. So what you just said, Rachel, is true of us at this table today. It's also true of all of our brothers and sisters around the world. That's right. No matter where they are Mm -hmm. or where they come from, it is Christ who grafts us in. Hey friends, I want to take a quick break to tell you about one of our podcast sponsors, August Cloth. Now listen, I am just not a good shopper. When it comes to finding new clothes, I feel like I just endlessly search for clothes that fit well, that feel amazing, and that give me the effortless style that I really want to wear. And so essentially, I just feel like I need someone to do the shopping for me. Can you relate to that at all? (laughs) This is why I'm excited to tell you about one of our favorite online boutiques. August Cloth is owned by a fellow she who reads truth named Crystal. And we've been browsing their spring and summer collections. And let me tell you, I felt instant relief because Crystal and her team curate collections that allow us to shop easily and just love what we live in. They even offer video try-ons in multiple sizes for every new style. So you can see what the clothes are really going to look like on you. I mean, how great is that? Even more than cute clothes, Crystal is a fellow adoptive mama. You know that means a lot to me. And she's passionate about caring for women and children in crisis. And so August Cloth partners with local foster care agencies or pregnancy centers every year to provide support to families in need. So when you shop at August Cloth, you get to be a part of that too. So essentially, what I'm saying to you is you need to check this out. After the show, jump on to augustcloth.com and use our listener discount for 15% off. The code is SRT15. And you can also follow August Cloth on Instagram or Facebook at August Cloth in new collection shop every Thursday. That's augustcloth.com and use the discount code SRT15 for 15% off your purchase. All right, back to the show. 
And so it's the people of God established by Jesus. Uh, so when we move on today, too, we get, you're going, I, I love that we're doing this right after this is the gospel. You're going to see some of the same passages. You're mm-hmm. going to see some similar addresses from Scripture, but with a little bit more context. So we read from Ephesians 2 in Literally this is last the gospel. Week. That's yeah. right. And we get to read it again today because it is so integral to, to this. And you guys remember that passage that begins, you know, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And we talked last week with Dr. Payne about what it means to be alive with Christ. Yeah. But then later in verse 2, also this unity in Christ, which is what we're talking about, this established by Jesus yeah. and united. Yes. So I'll read some of that, starting in verse 12. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in (laughs) Christ, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Yes. Amen. Mm. In almost every book where I get to write an ed letter, I talk about this. But that the you (laughs) is not an individual you. That's right. The you is a y'all. Yes, it is. The you is a y'all. And it's the... That when we when this is the whole people, y'all who were far away have been brought near. Yes, and so it for is those true. Of you not from Tennessee with us. That stands for you all, <laughs> or you guys. Yeah, uh, yeah is yeah. that Michigan? You Rachel? guys would be the Michigan. North. Yes, but it's that. It's that this is true for us as individuals, and that's what we celebrate. We rejoice in that. But what it actually is true for too is us as a people, and yeah. that's what we're talking about here. The church. It's yes. the all y'all. It's the all y'all. Mm-hmm. That it's true <laughs> for all y'all um, who know Jesus. Mm-hmm. That we're all brought near, and yeah. in that being brought near, something mysterious and beautiful happens. That we suddenly have this kinship. We mm-hmm. have this relationship. We have this unity, which is day three. We'll talk about in just a second. We have this unity with people that we probably have no business otherwise having unity with. That this one thing is so important and it's so beautiful and we're so transformed in Christ that all of a sudden these are the people now that we have more in common with than anybody else. Yes. We have the mm-hmm. most important thing in common in Christ and in our our shared desire to follow him that we read all throughout Scripture, that actually that. supersedes everything else about yes. us. Those other things about us are still important. They're still part of our identity, but they come with us Our biggest piece of identity is shared. Yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah. when, when Jesus says, who are my mother and my brothers? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not... He is emphasizing that our earthly family, what we think of when we say family, that our spiritual family and the family of God is actually... Even more significant. Even realer. Yes. Yeah. Which is really blows my mind. Well, and it's a pretty perfect transition into day three. On day three, we talk about this. We are united in Christ. And I think there's like a pretty basic question that we can all ask there if you've spent any time on the internet ever, if you've spent any time in like the Christian... <laughs> I haven't. Tell me about it. Well, Tell me about stay, the internet. Stay away. <laughs> no. Um, or if you've spent any time talking about faith. on any social media site, Mm -hmm. you might be wondering, how is it even possible for you to say that we are united in Christ? Because there are so many differences of opinion. And we won't dig into this too deep because, again, this is a podcast series unto itself. But we have an extra in this plan where we sort of talk about what it means to be united even as we disagree. Yeah. And the reality is, is we can find unity in the absolutes of shared Christian identity and mission despite differences in other things. Mm -hmm. That feels like, can you read it again? We can find unity in the absolutes of shared Christian identity and mission despite differences. As we read this plan, we're going to talk about broadly things like baptism, 
things like authority and church government that people really disagree about. Mm -hmm. And the reason we can still be one, even as we have different practices, is because we are united in what is essential. And so in this book, we sort of explore this idea of essentials, non-essentials, and opinions. For some of you, those are categories you're very familiar with. Yeah. For others, that is a brand new way to think about faith. Yeah, um, some people would say primary, secondary, tertiary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of different ways to have yep. the same conversation. Yeah. yeah. And essentials are really beliefs that define what it means to be a Christian. That's right. We just spent some time in the what is the gospel plan that you can read through. If you're familiar with something like the Apostles' Creed, that's on our site what we sort of hold to as these sort of essential beliefs for us. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also non-essentials. Those are matters of importance that Scripture speaks to but that Christians disagree on how to interpret or to apply. There's a diversity of practice among believers. This is really the, how does your local church live this out? Mm -hmm. And Like differences among denominations. Yes. And that all believe in the essentials and agree on those. Yes. Yes. And the reality is, is that every new church denomination was created because they felt like, eh, something's a little bit off. They disagreed. They disagreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so from the beginning... We even see in the New Testament this model of people disagreeing well, right? You have Paul comes to James and says, hey, what actually, why are you teaching these things? Are they actually important to the Gentiles? Here's what I'm teaching. And they discuss it. Have healthy conversation. They have healthy conversation. Uh-huh. Uh, where they disagree, you see throughout the New Testament, especially in even Romans, there's this disagreement on, well, can we still eat food sacrifice to idols if we know it doesn't mean anything or should we not? And Paul's like, well, let's talk about it. Yeah, That's part of the story and it has been from the beginning. And it's part of every denomination's origin story. Right. Is that there was something they felt like was missing an emphasis or in practice. And they said, well, let's let's do it this way. Mm-hmm. And so that's all of us. Yes. And I love the language that Paul sometimes uses is he is useful to me. Like he talks about like this person or that person. And and that's the thing. Like these people, people that we may agree with and we may disagree with on non-essentials are still very useful to the church and to mm-hmm. each other because we agree on the things that matter most, that the only way to God is Christ, that we are absolutely depraved and we need Jesus, mm-hmm. that He lived and died and rose again and ascended and is currently alive and ministering to yeah. us. And another way to say that, like, and that they're useful, is that we need each other. Yes, exactly. You know, yes. not not that we're uh, that's setting a better out way to, to say it than she's use useful someone. to me. Yeah. Right, right. I like, I mean, I like both. I like being useful. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that that's the way Paul said it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that we we need each other, and when we think that we don't, that's very short sighted. Mm-hmm. And it's also even if our heart is not in a posture of pride intentionally, it's also arrogant mm. for me to say that I yeah. don't need other people who who see these things differently than me. I mean, it, Christ describes the church as His body, right? And that right. all the parts are useful. And it's not that one arm is this denomination and this arm is the other. Like, it's that we are a whole body and we're all serving in all of these different capacities in a beautiful, diverse way. And I just... I get excited when I think about the diversity of the early church and and the unity that could happen because mm-hmm. of Christ and and likewise today yeah. in the world that we live in the great diversity of the church and the unity that we are called to. Yes. There's a quote that I think we've probably mentioned on the podcast before but this idea that in essentials unity in non-essentials 
liberty, and in all things charity. Mm. So this idea that as we are pursuing yes. um, faithfulness, right, this does not mean that we throw out the Bible right. and we say, well, pick your own adventure. If you love Jesus, do whatever yes. you want. No, but no, it means no. as we are deeply invested in time with the Lord and through seeking to understand what it looks like to live faithfully, that we're going to have disagreements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that we're going to wrestle through some things in Scripture. Right. Yeah, and I let you just said, Jessica, that these things are important. So I think that's a good clarification that it may be a non-essential when it comes to the gospel and our faith. That does not mean unimportant, mm-hmm. nor does it mean that we should stop striving to seek after the heart of Christ and understand Scripture and be a student mm-hmm. of the way of Jesus. Like we, right. That's that right. That's is, good. All of those things are still true. Like it helps me to think about, and I know that this is, we're not here to make lists, but also like a type of thing that would be a non-essential is like baptism. Like lots of different denominations have approaches to baptism, but all of those, I like the way that it's worded in the book in a little extra that we have about baptism that just says like, People all over the world who love God, love God's Word, and agree on what matters have different opinions about Mm -hmm. these things. Yes. And even thinking about this podcast that we're having here is that, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're reading devotionals with She Reads Truth, if you're reading alongside of us, we intentionally try to not just have a guest or a writer who agrees with me or our managing editor or any of us. It's Mm -hmm. we want people who we have... We have these things in common that are essential, yeah. but we actually really want people who have a different nuance to something than we do, who approach yes. something from a slightly different perspective within that, yeah. that orthodox tradition. At Denver Seminary calls it uh, charitable orthodoxy. I love I that like It's really beautiful. Yeah. We, we care about those things. We'll see in yeah. Scripture, we are called to hold fast to what we know is true. We are called to pursue, like Amanda said, mm-hmm. a life that is faithful to what we are learning about God and what it means to be His people, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we can also have charity mm-hmm. in the places where we disagree and seek to understand. Yeah. Even when we're not aligning, we can only grow by listening and learning from one another and saying, well, I see where you're coming from, yeah. even if I still don't change my mind. And that third, if everything we've just said is true of that second tier yeah. of non-essentials, then goodness gracious, Lord help us with our opinions. <laughs> Third tier, and yeah. that you know there are areas of preference mm-hmm. that we have that are just extrapolated from scripture, you know, like or even just purely preference. Mm-hmm. In the book, it says though these are relevant to the Christian life, Christians even within local congregations may disagree here. So we just we just have to hold. Loosely. And now what you are not hearing us say is hold loosely to the truth of God's Word. No, no, mm-hmm. hold tight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we are not saying hold loosely the essentials. No, no, hold tight. That's hold right. fast. Hold, hold fast. fast. Yes. But when you get to non-essentials, and especially when you get to opinions, we have to leave room. And not just leave room, we have to make room mm-hmm. for conversation yes. about these. And for seeking to know and understand another brother and sister in Christ, their story. Yes. That even when you get to opinions and preferences, hey, help me see how you're getting there in Scripture. Yes. Yeah. Help me understand why for you, this is a really important way for you to live out your faith. Help me understand why that's a spiritual discipline that you hold very tightly to, mm-hmm. and I practice it in this way. I think we have such a richness in our Christian heritage and our current global faith. The things that we learn from listening and hearing yeah. other believers share their passion can only help us reflect on God and worship in different ways. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love that. We're going to read from Revelation 7 on this day, and it will make you want to run a lap, so don't miss it. Put on your tennis shoes. (laughs) Put on your tennis shoes. But before we flip the page to the next reading day, I'm going to read this tiny two verses from Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Mm. I love that because we're still, in according to Christ Jesus, we have a guide, we have a true north, Mm -hmm. and we should have unity. And that calling isn't new, and it hasn't changed. Like I was looking back at the Isaiah Mm -hmm. passage from day two that calls us to be a light to the nations. That's an Old Testament call, right? And then, of course, Jesus himself says, like, you are the light of the world. Like, that's what we're to be doing here. Like, and we can't be a strong, bright light if we're not all together glowing, right? Like, just little flickers around. And to to be together, we're brighter Mm -hmm. and we are a light to the nations. On day four, you all, we get to the church is set apart in Christ. Mm -hmm. The very important... Guys, Jessica Lamb is dancing. She is doing a dance. This is a (laughs) very important part of our identity as Christians, as the church. What does it mean to be set apart? Well, I'd love to tell you. Also, you can't see me dancing, but if you could, it would give you a hint to my denominational background because I'm not very good at it. (laughs) Um, So what it means to be set apart in Christ is this idea of we are set apart for a purpose. We are made into a people, like Rachel just said, to be a light for a purpose. Which that is what holy means. Holy means set set apart. apart. And I actually have a a fun fact about words. Tell us more. Um, In the New Testament, the word that's used for church is ecclesia, which means the called out ones. I did not know that. Isn't that great? Yeah. I'm thinking about ek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then called out ones. Okay. And then the word that we get the English word church from means dedicated to the Lord. So they're both from these ideas mm. about holiness. Mm. So that even the name that we get in both the Greek and the a different Greek word that we get the English word from, yeah. both are this idea of holiness. We are called out to be set to apart. We are okay. set apart for a purpose. Isn't that great? That. Yes. I love that. I love that. I mean, as we talked at the very beginning of this episode, if our goal for y'all listening and reading is that you would form and understand your identity as the people of God, like be listening to these things that you are called to unity and you are called to be set apart. Like this is you. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's sometimes this debate when we talk about the local church, but also the big church. Well, who is the church for? Yeah. And it's, and it's this sort of both and. We had this conversation in the team that both things are present in scripture. We are a people that gather, that encourage one another, that point each other back to the gospel. We yeah. live life together. There are practices that happen within the local church that are for believers that happen alongside one another. We also are called to be salt and light. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. To a world that is dark mm-hmm. and to a world that needs that. So those are all things we'll unpack in the weeks to come. But even this idea, this whole first week is very foundational to everything else we'll read. Who are we? What's our identity? Yes. And um, what does that mean? Yeah. What, what is true of us, that we are one, that we are holy? Um, that shapes so much of the imagery you'll read in coming weeks. It shapes so much of the practices that you'll read about in future weeks. It's good. That we are holy. Yes. Uh, and that has a meaning for us as a people that are gathered and as a people who go out and live and are in the world too. That's yes. right. There is a gathering and there is a going out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. And it is a, the summary statement for this day says what you just said, that in Christ, the people of church are holy, set apart for a purpose. We are called to pursue lives of holiness as a changed people. 
people. Change the so people. there is something, there are things, and we will continue to explore this. There are certain characteristics that mark us as members of the church. And first Peter, again, we've been reading a lot of from, I mean, from Peter. From and there's the stuff that we haven't couple weeks. even haven't read. About I know. I know. You, anyway. It's beautiful. I'm excited. But here in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I love that because it's a little bit of this like focus here on the mm-hmm. essential, right? Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Hmm. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And that could be a really intimidating call <laughs> when you think of it as be perfect, which is not a bad way to think of it, but it's also to be set apart for a purpose. Like it's not just be perfect for perfection's sake. It is to that all of us, every bit of our being is set apart for the purpose mm-hmm. of glorifying Mm-hmm. Jesus, of glorifying the Lord who saved us. There are a couple of places in Paul's letters where he'll say, and now unto him. And it's usually like a benediction or something like that. But that's what I think of when I read that from Paul, mm-hmm. that we now live unto him. Yeah. And so whatever it is, and you know, whatever you're doing today, I'll see you later, and now unto him. Mm-hmm. It's just that going out benediction blessing mm-hmm. that we carry with us wherever we go, unto him. That's really beautiful. And it's a way of thinking about this. It's what you said at the very beginning, that our identity informs our practice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, who we are changes, and how we understand who we are changes how we live, and how we live helps us better understand who we are. That's yes. right. That's right. Things uh, inform one another. I mean, goodness, listen to this from the same reading day in First John chapter 2. But whoever ke- This is verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him, in Jesus. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Hmm. How about that for a calling? (laughs) Walk just like Jesus. And, you know, other places in these letters, in those letters from John, he talks about that the Christian is marked by love and walking in love and walking in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even in Ephesians 5, Paul calls us children of light. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Beautiful. Yeah. So the last day of this week is one that is actually very tender, I think, to all of us. Rachel talks about this every even Advent, that when we think about our faith, that we are also living with the knowledge that Christ is coming back. That's right. That the church is a people who are waiting and preparing, and we live in anticipation Mm -hmm. of Christ's return. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we can't be the people who are holding our breath. We want to be, we want to hold our breath and wait for Him, but we have to breathe in and we have to breathe out. We breathe. And that's, I I heard someone once describe the churches that way, as a breathing. We breathe in, we remind each other of what is true, we gather to breathe in, and then we breathe out. And we go hmm. out into the world, and we breathe in again, and we breathe out. And so we can't be ones who hold our breath waiting for Jesus to return, but we breathe in and out until He comes back. It's the Ellie Holcomb song, I breathe in, I love you, I breathe out, I love Ellie, you. See, I mean, listen. Leave it to Ellie. You I don't even you. need to write that song. Ellie's got it covered. We love Ellie Holcomb. <laughs> yeah. Were you going to go home and write that song? Uh, I was planning to. <laughs> I had some rough drafts. You had some free time. Yeah. Um, I'm, because our team is so intentional and carefully words these summary statements, I'm 
going to read it for us. I like it. The church exists in response to Jesus' first coming and continues on in anticipation of his promised return. There's our between two advents Mm -hmm. that you mentioned, Rachel. Through all circumstances, we are called to live in such a way that our present faith and obedience reflect our Mm. future glorious hope. I love that that reflection is, I think of like a reflection of something like in the past. We're reflecting something um, that's in the future to reflect our future glorious hope. That's right. And there are two verbs on this day title. We're waiting, but we're preparing. So again, it's not just holding our breaths. It's going like, what is the work that we are called to do between two advents? Mm -hmm. And when we talk about being a gospel people, I'm pointing a pen a little bit aggressively, so I'm going to put it down. Mm. (laughs) Um, I'm not afraid. (laughs) Thank you. I Mm -hmm. appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But I think that when we talk about being a gospel people, that's why the full story of what we spent the last two weeks unpacking is important here. Yes. To understand our identity, that it's not just, yay, we're saved, the end. That is beautiful and Mm -hmm. good. It's that we get to live that out, and that our hope is not that we escape from everything and everything's done. Mm -hmm. It's that Christ is making all things new. That's right. And we are part of that now. Yeah. And we will see it in fullness at his return. That's the waiting and preparing. It's not waiting and preparing to get on a bus and get out of here. Right. It's waiting and preparing <laughs> for the new heavens and the new earth, for a reality where all things are made new. That's the gospel, right? It's not just that you're made new and you're made new. Yes. And it's mm-hmm. so much bigger than that. That's right. So as a gospel people, do we live like that's true? Mm-hmm. Right. Do we live like we want to be part of making all things new yeah. and that we believe that's what God is at work doing in every every broken situation, in situations where the little C church is imperfect and yes. flawed. Yes. Do we seek yeah. goodness and do we seek to see that made new? Do we seek to be in the brokenness, in the hard things right. with other people? That's the waiting and preparing work too, that's is right, to remind right. each other of what's true and what the hope is while recognizing that it's still to come. It's like what Dr. Payne said last week. He said, becoming <laughs> like being a believer is not you get your entry ticket to heaven. Yeah. Like That's so much better than that. Yes. And it's not even like, no, it's different. It's so much better. We're invited into something, and there's work to be done, and it's beautiful and hard. We like to say at the office, it is good, hard, worth it work. And we're yeah. all invited into that. It's so much cooler than just getting a ticket. Yes. Right? Yes. Earlier in the episode, when we were talking about these definitions of the church and these sort of foundational characteristics that the church is holy and imperfect, one of the statements in that introduction is that the church is set apart as a gift to both followers of Jesus, so those in the church, and those who don't yet know Him. And so there is very much a, like, we are invited, our purpose is we are invited into this work that God is already doing. That is part of our identity. I love this in Titus 2. This is from the day five reading, um, starting in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts, and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait. Yeah. So that is what we're doing while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there is a work to do while we're waiting. Mm. And there's that Psalm 130, a couple of verses that were written before the first advent, but they speak so much to me mm. and to us right now. It says, I wait for the Lord. I wait and I put my hope in His Word. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yes, like there's just this waiting for this dawning. Right. And that's the first week. Yes. That we have four more weeks in this plan, but this first week is so foundational. That's right. That these five days really speak to what everything else flows out of. And so I'm so excited they got to be on the podcast as a little representative of you know, the Serious <laughs> Truth team because our team really has, I mean, wept over this plan. Mm. It's such a gift it's to true. get to come together, again, as women who love the Lord, who love the Word of God, and talk about what are the things that we want to go first, right, and yes. and be fellow students of the Word with our community mm-hmm. We want to wrestle with this. We want to link arms and say, hey, we can disagree, and I can still honor you as a sister. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just really excited about this whole first week and the foundation that it lays for the conversations you'll continue to have because we'll have guests on the podcast that are in the same way as us here are representatives of one part of the Bigger Sea Church, just That's like right. all of our she's are who are listeners. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're also just in this trying to figure this out too. And so I just, I'm really grateful to get to have had yeah. this first week and yeah. be part of this uh, foundation laying work. Yeah. Next week we will be joined by Tony and Sam Collier. And oh, that's going to be fun. I'm really excited to have this conversation with them and y'all are going to love the two of them. And next week we're going to, I mean, I'll just, I don't even have to call it a spoiler alert because it doesn't spoil it. It just gets you <laughs> excited. But like the five titles of the reading days are that the church is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the shepherd's flock, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and the temple of the living God. And we're going to unpack that with the Colliers, and we're so excited about that. Oh, it's going to be so fun. You know, I encourage you all, if you have a brother or sister in Christ that is coming to mind as we're having these conversations of like someone that you are acquainted with who maybe you just, you don't see eye to eye on some of the things, I mean, maybe invite somebody to read this along with you. We really believe that that these, I mean, these conversations have been really formative for us. Um, as a team and part of the Capital C Church of this mini fellowship here at She Reads Truth. And not in that I mean that, oh, we're, we're really, we're figuring some things out. It's, it's not that. It's, it's more of a like understanding the fullness mm-hmm. of the gospel and of God's word and, and seeing, seeing things that we didn't see before and understanding Jesus more deeply and more personally through one another. And in better seeing the diversity, we're finding even bigger, better unity, I think. Yeah. It's yeah. been it's been beautiful to work on this plan. And this feels like the like the coming together of the things that we've been working on that we now get to have these conversations here at this table. But y'all, like Amanda said, have these conversations around your table too. Mm-hmm. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. I mean Listen, if we can have you every other week, we would take you. <laughs> we really would. It's so fun to talk to you about these plans. Just consider it. Just consider I got to work it. on the reading plans. I know. You have other things. Yeah. I, I understand that. Listen, well, thank you truly for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. It was so great. So good. And I bet she knows the answer oh, to yes. our question. In fact, we're sure. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. And we've got a neon sign outside of this door that gives you the answer if you don't know. <laughs> Listen, friends, come back next week for week two of This is the Church. But until next week, Jessica... What do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. 